Please turn in your Bibles to this morning's scripture, Psalm 67, verses 1 through 7. If you would like to follow along using a pew Bible, you can find the passage on page 481. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the nations praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Selah. Let the nations, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all of the ends of the earth fear him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Father, we ask that in these next moments that you would open our eyes to your word, you would open our hearts to the Spirit's leading, and that you would speak to us afresh and anew. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Some of you will remember that in January, I had the opportunity to share with the congregation from our vision statement the three immediate goals for our church that the session believes we should focus on in the near future. One of those was that God would mobilize, <clears throat> mobilize our congregation for gospel ministry. Well, this week, with our faith mission giving emphasis, is perhaps one of the biggest mobilization emphases of our whole year. Some of the specific mobilization goals that were put before us in January for us to be praying about were these, that God would surprise us by the pledge support for faith missions giving this year, that he would give us broken hearts, even as we've sung about today, for the lost in our community and around the world, that he would show each of us individuals in our lives to share the good news with and that he would increase our membership's involvement with our local partners. I'm going to repeat those in case some of you want to write them down to be praying for them. <clears throat> that God would surprise us by the pledge support for our faith mission giving this year. That he would give us broken hearts for the lost in our community and around the world. And that he would show us, each of us, individuals that we might share the good news with, and number four, that he would increase our membership's involvement with our local partners. I want to challenge you to continue to be praying about those things specifically, those goals that we've set to seek to follow the Lord in obedience to the calling that he's put upon us. The world is in desperate need of the good news of Jesus Christ. I assume I don't need to convince you of that. We have been called to arise and shine for such a time as this, with a renewed sense of urgency for the spread of the gospel through faith mission giving here at St. Andrews. 
Our passage today, Psalm 67, is a hymn with a very large evangelistic worldwide thrust. Even for the Psalter, it's very much a worldwide emphasis in terms of the language that's here. The psalm heading clearly indicates the musical nature of the psalm. It's a song to be sung in worship to the choir master with stringed instruments. A psalm, a song, in case you haven't gotten the point. Our hymn of the month that the combined choir sang today and which we're going to conclude our service with today is from this psalm. It's a setting of much of the words of Psalm 67. So, so appropriately, we will sing these words in a little bit as a response to the sermon. The English Standard Version of the Bible divides the psalm into three paragraphs. If you have that version, you'll notice that in, in the text. We might also say that these are three stanzas of the hymn, much like our own hymn stanzas are laid out in the hymnal for us. In the opening stanza of the song, verses 1 through 3, the author begins with a prayer for blessing from God. Really a benediction, if you will, at the start. And at the end of the service today, we'll receive this following benediction from God's word, one that you're very familiar with. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the book of Numbers, we're told that God spoke those words to Moses and instructed Moses to give them to Aaron and his sons, Israel's priests, to pronounce a blessing upon the people of God. And for well over 3,000 years now, these words have been spoken time and time again in the context of worship. There's likely no other scripture passage that has been read publicly more times than this benediction. In Psalm 67, the writer of the psalm, did you notice, chooses to begin with these same words in a slightly different order. And the familiarity of the text would not have been lost on the Old Testament worshiper. They would have known where he was quoting from. He says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. He even gives a liturgical pause for reflection in the Selah. Scholars believe that that's an instructive word, a liturgical word that indicates a musical pause or a, a bridge or interlude like we might do today in order to give time to reflect upon what has just been sung, what's just been said, separating that opening from the rest of the psalm. Any worshiper even remotely familiar with the previous ironic blessing in Numbers would have been reminded of it here. The words and imagery are unmistakable. So the psalmist begins by asking God to extend grace to his people, to bless them, and to shine the radiance of his face, of his glory, upon them. It's a prayer for God's gracious blessing to his people. God instructed the priest to bless the people with these words. And then he promised to answer that prayer by blessing them. So is it appropriate for God's people to ask God to bless us? And should we expect God to answer that prayer? 
If so, why? Well, I submit that it is very appropriate because this prayer for blessing is also a prayer to advance the gospel. In verse 2, the psalm continues, that your way may be known on earth. Well, now we have some context of the blessing. What's the purpose or motivation behind asking for God's blessing and provision in our lives? World evangelism. He expands upon it with a poetic parallel idea just after that, your saving power among all nations. We pray for God's blessing for the advance of the gospel and for a harvest of nations. The end game of missions is summed up in a musical refrain or chorus in verse 3. It's also going to be repeated as a chorus again after the second verse of the hymn. It says, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The goal of missions is the universal worship of God by every tribe, tongue, and nation in the world. The psalmist is asking for the blessing of God's people, not for the people's sake, but for God's sake, for his glory. This idea of God blessing his people that they might be a blessing to the nations is found all the way back in Genesis chapter 12, when God made his covenant with Abraham. There God speaks to Abraham and he says, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This amazing covenant promise to Abraham finds its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus Christ. God has chosen to bless the earth through Jesus and his people, the church. In other words, the vehicle for God's blessing the nations is right here in this room. It's us. This is why we must mobilize for the cause of the gospel. This is our purpose. It's our calling. So won't you join together and pray for the advance of the gospel through our efforts. Pray for a harvest of nations that God may be glorified here and around the world. Secondly, we must go. We must go with gladness and joy. We must go with the good news. We must go with hope and with confidence. When you look around at the world, when you watch the news, are you one that tends to be pessimistic? Maybe a chicken little who can only assume that the sky is falling because everything seems to be going wrong. How can the nations of the earth be glad and sing for joy? Look what's going on. As we think about our mission partners today, How can our brothers and sisters in Ukraine be glad? How can our friends in Haiti sing for joy? Look at their circumstances. What do they have to be glad about? What do they have to be joyful about? Have you ever been in a situation where you were the keeper of a secret? 
And you couldn't wait for the other person to experience what you knew was coming. Maybe it was allowing uh, a friend or a child to think that you forgot their birthday, all the while transporting them to a surprise party that awaited them. And as you notice their sadness and disappointment on their faces, it's all you can do not to let the cat out of the bag. You want to say, hold on, something wonderful is just around the corner. It's going to be okay. It's going to be more than okay. It's going to be a joy-filled celebration. I think sometimes we're that depressed friend. Walking around thinking that we've been forgotten. Where's God in all of this? He's forgotten about us. But God doesn't tease us like that. He doesn't make us sweat it out to the end. He's already given us the last chapter of the story. A sure and steadfast hope filled with love, peace, and joy. And this is the good news that we have the privilege of taking to the ends of the earth. The greatest need in the world isn't peace and prosperity. The greatest need in the world is for men and women, boys and girls, to be reconciled to their creator, to be transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. How can the nations be glad in the midst of the world's chaos and darkness? Because there is one who will judge the peoples with equity, perfect justice through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we can have hope and confidence that he will guide the nations upon the earth. This is why the nations can be joyful, can sing for joy and be glad. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. If you want the world to experience peace and rest, then go into the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the only message for a lost and dying world. It's what we have, and you can go with the hope and confidence that God is working his purpose out. Folks, our hope and confidence doesn't rest in Washington, D.C., It doesn't rest with the United Nations and the councils of the world. It doesn't rest in the financial markets of our society. They will all fail and let us down. Our hope and our confidence and the hope and the confidence for the world is in the one who judges with equity and guides the nations. This is why we can go with gladness and joy, proclaiming the good news with hope and confidence. We must pray, we must go, and we must give. We must give out of our abundance, we must give out of great faith, and we must give out of God's gracious blessing to us. Verse 6 reads, The earth has yielded its increase. This psalm is likely an agricultural psalm perhaps sung at times of agricultural festivals of Thanksgiving, not unlike our own November Thanksgiving holiday during harvest time. There's a universal common grace principle at work in the world. Generally speaking, if you sow, 
you'll reap. And if the conditions are pretty favorable, you're going to reap abundantly. Granted, there are parts of the world that experience drought and natural disasters that make growing food difficult, but the earth was designed by its creator to produce in abundance. Maybe like you in the fall, our family likes to head a couple hours north to pick some apples. And it's always striking to me how many apples are lying on the ground rotting because no one got around to picking them. There's an overabundance of them. They can never, all never be eaten. Well, this could be said of almost any agricultural enterprise, assuming that the conditions are favorable. There's an overabundance of fruit compared to what is planted to begin with. The earth has yielded its increase. This is a blessing to all of humanity from God. Well, I think this principle can be true in many areas of our lives. Certainly we know that these agricultural things are used even by Jesus in terms of sowing and reaping. The blessing received is often more than the investment given. So if the earth has yielded its increase in your life, we have to ask ourselves a diagnostic. How's our stewardship of that increase that God has blessed us with? What do we do with that abundance? The psalmist goes even further, and he doesn't just speak about the increase he's experiencing at the moment. He also has great faith to believe that God will bless him in the future. God, our God, shall bless us. There's a confidence there in answering that opening prayer that God would bless his people. His faith catches up with his opening prayer. Is that where we are in our lives? Have we asked for God's blessing, and then do we trust and believe that God will bless and will provide for his glory? The creator has already given us what we need to live, and he's given us an abundance, certainly, in this land. We're able to enjoy our lives in general by what we have. But as his people, we can move past this common grace that nearly all men and women know. We can move past that to know that God delights in blessing his people abundantly. And the greatest of these blessings are spiritual in nature. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The Apostle Paul outlines the spiritual nature of God's blessing on his people in Ephesians chapter 1 in this beautiful language. Listen to how he describes the blessings that we have in Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us, in him we have obtained an inheritance. In him you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Folks, 
It's astounding what is ours in Christ and how Christ has blessed us spiritually. It's mind-blowing what we possess in him. The fullness of God's abundant blessing upon his people is found in Christ and the salvation that we have in him. There's nothing greater, nothing more valuable, nothing more precious, nothing more wonderful than this. It's the singular possession that outweighs any other blessing we could possibly obtain in this world. This is the ultimate blessing to mankind. And God has given us. He's given you and he's given me the privilege to distribute that message, that blessing to everyone on the planet to the praise of his glorious grace. What a, what a deal. What an amazing deal. <clears throat> what a phenomenal investment opportunity. One that has a return guaranteed by the God of the universe, sealed by his Holy Spirit. A sure thing with eternal results. Everything we buy and sell and invest here is going to burn up one day. The only lasting thing is our investment in God's kingdom. And when you begin to understand this, it frees you up to have an open hand with the resources God has blessed you with. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. The Apostle Paul talks about the grace of Christian giving in his second letter to the Corinthians in chapter 9. And he gives this, again, agricultural principle that has a spiritual application. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, that's God, he's the supplier. He who supplies will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. It all comes from God. He's the source. He gives us the resources to invest in his kingdom, and then he turns around and gives us a return on that investment. You will be enriched in every way, Paul says. Why? For your own welfare and benefit? No. So that you can be generous in every way. Which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Don't you love giving gifts and seeing the joy that responds to that? What a blessing God has given us to be able to take his resources his gospel, and to give that to the nations and to receive the joy that comes along with participating in that. St. Andrew supports over 50 organizations and individuals financially through your faith mission giving dollars. Jay shared a lot of this with us this morning at, at 9.15, but I wanted to reiterate some of these things. Last year, 
<clears throat> we had 138 pledges for a total pledged amount of $230,816. To date, we've received 166,000 plus of that. So we have a shortfall of about 65,000. Four Sundays are left in this current FMG fiscal year. Would you pray? Would you pray that the Lord would help us to meet that goal in the next four weeks? Just pray. Ask God to help us meet that goal. The missions team is exercising its faith this year. You all know that we've been through a fairly difficult year around here. But we believe God delights to work in and through difficulties. And we believe that God wants us to exercise some faith. So we've set a financial goal for the next faith mission giving year of $250,000. We have at least seven new requests from folks that are waiting to get to the field that are worthy recipients. We want to help send them on their way, including campus outreach here locally, which is taking the gospel to Benedict College right here in Columbia as well as other colleges, Lifeline Children's Services, whom you've heard from this year a couple of times already, and a number of folks that are wanting to go to some of our focus areas that we'd love to be able to partner with. This new goal would enable us to fund these folks, and it would also help us to meet our other responsibilities that we have to our missionaries. Currently, we have about 200 family units. So family unit is exactly what I mean by that, not individuals, but some are individuals, but other and also families. 200 family units that give to the work here of the church. Now, as a policy, um, continuing on as we've had to hear historically, I don't know who gives what to the church, and I plan to keep it that way. Cindy, our financial administrator, is the only one that knows that, and I asked her for the information that I'm sharing with you today. Of those 200 folks that contribute to and give and support to the work of the church through their tithes and offerings, 115 go above and beyond their general giving to support faith missions giving. The missions team would like to see that number increase to 150. So we'd love another 35 folks to jump on board and give this year towards faith mission giving. My challenge to you this morning is to see that if you as a congregation would be willing to step out in faith to ask the Lord to provide some extra funds for you this year to give towards faith mission giving. That's it. That's the challenge. Would you be willing to step out in faith to ask the Lord to provide some extra funds for you that you could give towards faith mission giving? Not, I'm not asking you to give the funds. I'm asking if you'd be willing to step out in faith and ask the Lord to give you the funds. That's it. I began the service today by asking you this question. How big is your faith in God? Do you believe God can provide the funds needed for us to reach our goal? I do. I absolutely do. If the answer is yes, then are you willing to be one of those who God blesses with extra resources this year to enable you to be a part of his kingdom work here through our faith mission giving. The only ask of you right now is if you're willing to step out in faith. The rest of the equation is up to God to bless you and to provide. And if he doesn't, 
you're off the hook. So if you're like me, the next question is, well, okay, I can, I can get behind that. Yeah, I want to step out in faith and do this. But I'm not really sure what I sh how much I should pledge. What does that look like? Well, the amount that we want you to put on the cards is your annual amount, not a per week or per month amount, but for the year so that we can make an accurate budget. The Lord may choose to provide it to you all at once in something unexpected, or he might space it out over a period of time. But we simply want a total number for the annual budgeting purposes. But here's my encouragement to you. And I'll tell you that this is the way Sharon and I went about it this year. My encouragement to you is to come up with a number that requires you to exercise some faith. Incidentally, we both prayed and thought about it separately. And we came back with the exact same number. So at that point, there was no going back, right? You know, what are you going to do with that? Okay, God, help us out here. God gives clear direction. Oh, boy. Now we're in this thing. That number is going to be different for everybody in this room. Well, the question to ask yourself isn't, how much can I afford to give this year? That, that would be pragmatic mission giving, right? Instead, ask yourself this question, how much can I trust God to provide for me to give this year? That's faith mission giving. So as we continue to look forward in faith as a church family, this exercise is one more step in our growth in that faith. I want the Lord to increase my faith. This is a step in that journey. So some questions to kind of finish with here. Why do you want the blessing of God in your life, assuming that you do? Why do you want God to bless your family? Why do you want God to bless our church, our community, our nation? When we ask God to bless us at mealtime, when we reach out for the benediction at the conclusion of the service, when we proudly exclaim, God bless America, what are we asking for exactly? And why are we asking it? Is it because we want God's glory to shine in every dark corner of the globe? Is it because we want the chorus of nations who worship the one true living God to grow as John saw in his revelation into a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Imagine, imagine being a part of that scene one day with the knowledge that God in his infinite grace and love allowed you to be part of making that happen. We should pray for God's blessing upon us. We should ask God in faith to build our churches, to prosper our families, that through these blessings, the gospel might flourish and the peoples of all the earth will fear and worship him. So will you commit to praying for God's gracious blessing on our church for the advance of the gospel 
and for a harvest of nations. Would you commit to go in gladness and joy with the good news, with the hope and confidence that God will use us to build his kingdom right here in Irmo, South Carolina? Will you commit to give sacrificially out of your abundance, out of great faith and out of God's gracious blessing? Step out of your comfort zone and exercise big faith in a big God and see what he'll do. This big God who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen? Let's pray. Oh God, you have called us to a great task, but a joyful, glad task. One that we can go into in confidence, knowing that the church prevails, that your glorious church is triumphant, that Satan will be crushed, that the world will be yours. And Father, we are humbled that you have called us to partner with you in that great enterprise. So, Lord, would you help us to step out in faith as a congregation? and to see what you might do through your people here. And Lord, would you do it in such a way that we could do nothing but fall down and worship and give thanks to you for your amazing provision. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to take just a moment to give you some time to fill out the cards today. There'll be some slides of, the, of our missionaries and those that we support uh, that will be playing in front of you. Um, as you pray about that, and if you're already finished or if you're going to wait to do that, would you use these visuals as an opportunity to pray for these folks? Don't waste this time. Use this time uh, in an effort to pray for missions around the globe and specifically for the folks that you're going to be seeing in front of you. Um, I would encourage you, if you can today, if you're prepared to fill the card out, do that. Uh, our ushers will come in in just a minute and collect those uh, from you, and then we'll begin tallying those things. If you're not prepared today, uh, you can bring it on Wednesday night or next Sunday and put it in the offering, uh, and we'll still get those and collect those. You can certainly drop them off by the church office as well, but let me encourage you to spend some time in prayer and to fill those cards out this morning before we sing. <laughs>